Welcome to the Depth and Life Podcast. I'm J.D. Pirtle. As humanity takes measures to slow the spread and effects of the coronavirus disease 2019, or COVID-19, businesses, schools, and many public gathering places are shutting down or being restricted. This is very worrisome for all of us, and as of now, there are many unknowns. Educators of all types are facing the many challenges of a school system which has seemingly overnight been converted to distance learning only. In this ongoing series, we will be talking to educators each week about the difficulties, surprises, and discoveries they are meeting as they continue to teach during this unprecedented world event. So Rona and Diana, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me, especially during this time. I wonder just to start out, if maybe you guys could each introduce yourself, what you uh, do in education, where you're physically located, and and just kind of like where you'll be working for this time. Uh, I guess I'll get started. Hi, JD. I'm Rona. Um, I am a consultant. I work in K through 12 schools doing a lot of work. That's related to makerspace development, hands-on um, STEAM education, project-based learning, design thinking, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, my background is in content development. I used to write for Sesame Street and a couple other startup uh, television shows uh, for kids. And uh, right now I do a lot of consulting with school districts to ensure that they're actually bringing new technology and new instructional design practices into the classrooms. Excellent. And where are you located, Rona? Uh, I'm located outside of Princeton, New Jersey. So most of the schools that we work with are uh, in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Okay. Awesome. Diane? Hi, I'm Diane Francasio. I'm the MIT Edgerton Center, and I am formerly uh, a K-12 teacher. I taught high school Mm -hmm. engineering design and technology, also high school computer science and middle school tech ed for 15 years. I also was uh, an engineer before that. So my background is electrical and mechanical engineering. What I do at the Edgerton Center is help, started an an initiative three years ago to help teachers put maker projects in across the curriculum. Our goal is that more kids have access to STEM classes in high school and STEM careers, if they want, uh, by being exposed to the technologies earlier on, like upper elementary school or middle school, so that all kids are familiar with digital fab or electronics. And it's not just for the kids that go to STEM summer camps. And I'm located in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So how are things in, in each one of your areas? I mean, I think, Rona, you kind of alluded to there's a lot of school closings. Um, do, are, you, are you guys actively talking to the clients that you normally work with, the classrooms you normally work with, or how is it working? I mean, I think the consultant and kind of the 
um, the people who are preparing curriculum for other people, that's a little different than classroom teachers who are trying to like put things in Google Classroom, et cetera. So what are you guys doing differently during this time that you might be doing in person or something like that? Absolutely. Um, And I I think I could probably talk on both ends as a consultant um, and an outsider going into schools. Um, And then also I still run a computer science class. So I stay in the classroom part-time at an independent school in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a perspective of a K-12 teacher, um, I'm in a high school, we are at the point of teachers getting an understanding of how to deliver their content. Uh, most of them have already have outlined their year curriculum. Uh, a lot of my colleagues are at the point of learning Google Classroom, the ins and outs of what it means to actually post material, how to mm-hmm. gauge assessment, how to figure out how long it's going to take for kids to go through whatever tasks they have, and um, really looking at curated lists of activities that align mm-hmm. with what they were hoping to achieve um, during this time. Uh, I'm kind of lucky. My school was also scheduled for spring break. We had an early spring break this year. Mm. Um, I'm noticing that a lot of clients are also trying to take advantage of the fact that they can manipulate their schedule a little bit. Um, So they're figuring that they're going to lose at least maybe two weeks, if not more, of instructional time. But this would also sort of fall naturally within some of those breaks. Um, Sure. My clients are done. They have closed the doors. Um, The majority of the schools that I work with are preparing for deep cleaning. Uh, Mm -hmm. They have asked that all their teachers almost pack up as though it were summertime, which, um, you know, that's a big jolt to the system in terms of, um, you know, just every year teachers take two weeks to clear out their classrooms. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is being asked almost overnight for some schools. Um, the majority of the districts are trying to facilitate how they're going to get, uh, internet access to their students that don't mm-hmm. have, uh, Wi-Fi or ba- bandwidth capacities at home. Um, my own children are here. I have a, a first grader and a third grader. Both of them are online right now as we speak, um, using some of the online resources that were sort of like prescribed by their teachers. Um, So, you know, the typical ones are going to be epic if the school um, subscribes to it, the brain pop, the large, you know, sort of like those large conglomerate companies that offer a ton Mm -hmm. of content. Um, We also have some smaller ones that they're getting familiar with. I'm getting familiar with new ones. Um, So I think it really ranges as to how the school's and the school districts are approaching it. From my understanding, uh, we've been in a state of emergency. However, the school districts have been relying on the state governors Mm. to issue school closures. Um, In New Jersey, I think that that was preempted. Um, The superintendents actually got together and decided to close schools because the state had not given specific guidelines at a certain Mm -hmm. time. Um, New York, very different. They stayed open until Friday of last week. Um, it's been coming down from the governor to close, uh, their prep time before closure was very limited. So, um, I'm, I'm finding a whole range of reactions. Um, and in general, most folks are just saying, okay, look, if you can get some content going, we're not expecting to keep everything aligned. We are not 
necessarily expecting new learning, but use this mm-hmm. as an opportunity to practice skills that you may have already had. So giving students a chance to kind of reinforce, spiral back to some previous concepts that they've been introduced to. And that's what I'm noticing in terms of the content, yeah. So Diane, with you, is it typical with MIT Edgerton, do you, is it, um, are you guys doing a lot of online learning for teachers and students? Do you provide resources to students and teachers? Do you guys ha- host people on site um, there or all of the above? And how has that changed? So all of the above. And let's see, a week ago, we canceled all K-12 visits. So at, mm-hmm. in my group, in the classroom next door to me, we have day-long field trips. Um three-hour visit from students to do a STEM experience they can't normally do in school. Mm-hmm. Done. Um, we had visits coming from teachers all over the world for some MIT-based K-12 training, mm-hmm. all canceled, and we're moving to remote. But the most interesting thing, oh, and the schools near me all just canceled. Uh, I have my own kids are in college. They're home. Uh, mm-hmm. One was traveling home. So we are now back to being all five of us in the house, mm-hmm. getting crowded. Um, the most interesting thing came up this morning. So the K-12 community at MIT all got on Zoom and the phone this morning at nine o'clock. What can we do? Mm-hmm. And so the new site they're starting is called MITcares.org. But there's lots of ideas. How can we help teachers? Um it's important to realize you got to find out what teachers want. And as Rona was saying, uh, they are trying to reinforce existing concepts and curriculum, but not move mm-hmm. forward because a lot of kids will not have the access to do it. And that's the real question. Now, interestingly for me, I've been reflecting on this for the last two weeks as this crisis has sort of developed and we're kind of all getting to the panic mode now. Um, what is it that teachers aren't seeing in their classroom? And a lot of that is collaboration mm-hmm. and the ability to work without the teacher. So a little bit of self-direction. And strangely, I'm seeing this as an opportunity for people to develop those skills. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing it not as, okay, we really need to learn this math content, but we really need to learn the habits of mind. So personally, like I brought home my 3D printer and um, vinyl cutter last night and my kids are home and they're just like, sure, I want to like learn more about that. It's like find a project that you want and do it. So if I were with a class right now, I'd want to do what I did in my engineering classroom was come up with a project. I want to take you through the whole design process, formulate it, prototype, come up, communicate it, share it with everybody. Uh, And I'd love to see that. That's like where I personally am right now. I don't think content is going to stick or is it has going to have the relevance, but I want to see people saying, sure, I want to continue learning in my own way. And I want to have my teacher support me or someone support me. Yeah. I, I would totally like to chime in on that one. Um, today, We, uh, as a family sat down, we made a list of materials that we need. Um, I've pulled out several activity books. So things that I usually pull for content. Um, I asked my children to go through them and Mm -hmm. they're young. So, you know, it was curated and 
I said, okay, here are books for you and here are books for you. I have a boy and a girl and, you know, some things are skewed because of the gender role age thing and some are skewed Mm -hmm. because of their own preferences. Um, And I said, what are the activities you would like to build? So what are the things you want to work on? My son was into animals. My daughter Mm -hmm. is into looking at uh, building some of her drawing skills. Okay, so what can we do related to that? Are we going to do some math activities? Are we going to go collect materials in nature? Do we need to order some simple things like the tape, the scissors, the glue? I I noticed I have all these materials. Uh, I think we ran out of glue. But, uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I can put in an Amazon order and hopefully it'll get delivered. Um, We'll see. Sure. But um, it, it dawned on me, what is it like for the regular parent? I mean, as an educator, we have a complete leg up. Uh, What would it mean if I didn't have a pair of scissors, if I didn't have activity books, if I didn't have access Mm -hmm. to my public library? Um, And so I I really would push from that direction. How do you set up that home-based learning? Be proactive, but the planning part is going to be key. And so the first day is really let's just assemble the troops and assemble the tools that we need. And then um, that that kind of like self-guided learning can really take place. So do you guys see like normally you would work with educators directly as, you know, consultants or people who are creating opportunities and content. But now it sounds like, I mean, in a in the best case scenario in an educational environment, we educators are partnering with the parents constantly, um, ideally. Um, but do you guys feel like almost now you're you're serving the parents at home who need to keep their kids occupied with something constructive to do? And also the teachers who are at home who might also have children of their own, but are responsible for grading, assessing all of that stuff, assigning um, during this time. Because it sounds like, I mean, not many school districts are just shutting and saying, okay, we'll see you in two to eight weeks. They're trying to provide some kind of um, schoolwork for the kids to do. Well, I mean, that's a state mandate. So in order for them to receive the days on the calendar year, uh, you know, they've got to have X amount of instruction. Um, sure. It might not be the greatest thing that we're stuck to, but we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for, uh, I, I, I mean, I think for educators, this can be super challenging too. Uh, there are plenty of educators that I work with who don't go outside of scripted curriculum. Mm-hmm. And this is not, time for scripted curriculum. <laughs> right. Um, it, it, just like Dan said, this is the time to um, explore personal interests, um, really become a little bit more balanced. For uh, for my daughter, she gets uh, some anxiety in the classroom. So sure. we started off the day with um, just a healthy, creative time exercise. And it just mm-hmm. gave her an opportunity to flow into learning differently than a hard beginning at you know, 10 minutes to nine every day. Um, we're going to talk about our nutrition and what kind of foods we can make. And so mm-hmm. we're stretching that out. And that has to happen for all of these kids. It doesn't matter if it's a high schooler or an elementary school child. They need more conversation going on in the home and uh, understanding how there's a link to all their learning in their real life. Sure. I so feel like this go is going to, br- thank you. Sorry. That's okay. I've used a podcast. Uh, this is going to bring up a lot of issues that are mm-hmm. going on in school. Parents are going to say, what are you learning and how mm-hmm. are you learning it? 
And I, I just feel like it's really going to open up a huge, uh, the Pandora's box of what education has become. Mm-hmm. And it's part of why I'm out of classroom teaching and into how can we make a difference. So if you look at mm-hmm. what is the maker mindset, it's it's creativity, it's prototyping, and it's really working through failure. You need mm-hmm. to be able to embrace failure as a part of moving forward. I love the uh, way they call it an acronym, first attempts at learning for fail. Mm-hmm. So, but there's the stress that kids are experiencing right now um, with this whole, you know, the, the fact that we're home and we're not sick yet and who's mm-hmm. going to get sick um, needs to be addressed not by saying do your math homework or do your social studies learning. It has to be addressed by who are we as a people, who are we as a family, um, who are we as a culture that respects each individual and what their interests are and what their learning is going to be and how they can contribute back to the, the family group the school group. Uh, this one listserv I'm on is a whole bunch of engineers that are trying to design ventilators right mm-hmm. now to assist the hospitals. Okay. So maybe it's what can you do for people around you? But that's, oh, there's so much of teaching that needs to move away from content to to the self-direction, to the collaboration, to the really understanding. And when you talk about design thinking, Rona, like that's so much about it with the empathy part. However, how are teachers going to get here? If you're starting with kids that have only ever done in-class learning that is teacher-focused and very structured, you need to mm-hmm. break them down. What we have, uh, I love instructables.com. Mm-hmm. So we have a page on there. Um, it's like instructables.com slash member slash Edgerton Center. And we mm-hmm. have about 13 instructables. So those have some of them need a lot of materials. You're not going to do those at home. But some of them are just using code blocks on Tinkercad or sure. something that you can do. So now what's that bridge between teacher-centered learning to student-centered with more uh, hands-on learning? Well, so you need some starter projects. So that's really what we've had going for the last couple of years. We have some that are downloadable on the Edgerton site, but they they are more like STEM projects for teachers to do in the classroom. But the uh, the ones we put on Instructables, a lot of them can be done. And then let's say you can't 3D print it. A lot of them are Tinkercad-based and code blocks based mm-hmm. But uh, in that platform and on the micro-bit make code platform, there's a simulator. You can learn a ton right there um, without actually needing anything more than your computer. But it still mm-hmm. has a physical aspect because you're you're seeing the modeling and the sure. motion happen. Sure. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of online resources. Tinkercad is wonderful. I think there's so many things like that that people can do for free. And I've really been um, just encouraged and really impressed with so many ed tech companies that have opened up their services that are normally behind a paywall for free during this time. I think that's, you know, part of this. I keep hearing the phrase, we're all in this together. And I think that's really a wonderful approach, kind of a unifying approach. I wonder if you guys, as far as like the maker uh, projects, the STEM, STEAM kind of projects, I mean, you know, Diane, you kind of alluded to kind of the service aspect of that, maybe thinking about your home and what you might make or design for your home during this time. I'm also thinking about like Rube Goldberg uh, machines with recycled materials. Um, I'm also thinking about cooking, you know, I mean, I think that since restaurants and 
bars and um, things like that are closing, uh, do you guys see like cooking as a really great application? It brings the family together, the family group, whoever the caregivers are and the children, but also it's a practical need right now that we have. Are there things in that vein that you guys encourage? We're, I would encourage make this time a time to take care of our homes. Mm-hmm. And so there are in every single home, whether you're in an apartment or a house, or if you have caretakers, if you don't, there are small projects throughout that can be sparks for all types of learning. So we have started a compost. Mm-hmm. We removed a couple of blocks outside in our courtyard and we're just digging up the dirt and mixing the compost we've got meals that we're going to prepare as a family we have nature walks where we can look at the geese migrating or identify birds we can also gather up materials that can be used there's so many maker projects that can you can use other materials to kind of get those things done Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have the actual material at home there are Fix-it projects, I'm really, really big on um, getting kids to understand that things are not completely obsolete once they're broken. Mm-hmm. Um, this past, uh, a couple weeks ago, I just ran a course on 21st century fashion. And so our big question is, how do we deal with fashion, fast fashion, you know, introducing these con- mm-hmm. concepts to high school students? Uh, we didn't get to mend all our projects. So are there things that you need to mend? Now's a great time to teach your kid how to sew. Um, now's a great time to really just look at simple things that we've been putting off. Our culture is so round the clock and so focused on sort of like, can I get this done? And maybe I'll do it in the spring. So now let's do it. Um, maybe it's a recycling project, an upcycling project. They're just like, there are a million things that can happen in a household. Um, and... I think a lot of parents, um, and you know, I'm this generation that's raising kind of these elementary school level kids, but I could be old enough to have high schoolers as well. Mm-hmm. So the whole range, um, I remember having very few classes that even focused on these things. And I went to an independent school that had space and had mm-hmm. professionals who would teach us these things. So we kind of us underestimate the majority of parents have never learned it themselves. So go back and look at the children's version. Start learning how to code as though you were a kid. Start learning how to cook as though you were a child. The information is palatable. It's going to be simple for you as an adult to do. It it doesn't diminish your intelligence. It just means that you've got an opportunity to kind of skill up in a way. And um, I agree with you. Cooking is a great place to start. You've got all your guitars in the background. Mm -hmm. Play some music. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, there are just so many things that we could be teaching our children. Um, So I would throw that out there. So, so Diane, is it different with college-age kids at home? I imagine that they are much more independent than like an elementary-age kid. Um, are Are there things that you think that you can do to engage kind of adult kids that I think a lot of empty nesters now have a full nest. So I wonder if you have any, any ideas about that. We are doing all the same stuff. Rhoda is just at another level. Everyone is cleaning up the house. The music room is getting done over by my son. Who's a musician setting up a recording studio. Um, Every one of us is realizing just how messy we all are. Um, 
one kid just went off hiking today. So we're pretty privileged that way in the sense that we have enough space, we can do it. But what I really see here is that uh, in the same vein that I want the students to be self-directed, most parents I know are sort of clueless and almost proud to be clueless. Like, oh, I don't really cook much. I just heat things up or I don't fix things around the house. You know, I just, I just don't have that ability. So I'm not going to change them. And it gets kind of frustrating to listen to your friends being kind of like pathetic. So I see it as let's, let's reach the kids. Mm -hmm. I'd love to have something um, where the kids are getting it and saying, I want to try this out with you, uh, mom or dad. Like, uh, I want to sew something. I want to, mend, because I, I'm not assuming that the parents can do this now. Mm-hmm. And how, and let's say they can, that's wonderful because they probably will. But sure. it, it's more interesting now to sort of reach the kids through the channels that they're on. My kids are all on Reddit. That's the only mm-hmm. way to reach them. And, and then, of course, they're not on Facebook anymore. They're on like Instagram, which I'm not on with them. So, but mm-hmm. how to get these to young people to say, I do want to try this. And it's coming from me, not from my parent. Because mm-hmm. I think, Rona, your kids may be a little younger, but once they hit that sort of high school year, I don't, like my kids are on the other side of that. They're actually interested in listening to me because we've all been through a lot of stuff together. Mm-hmm. But um, but high schoolers may not want to take a day and learn anything with mom or dad. Um, but But to give them that opportunity to say, here's something I want to, pursue. So depending on each family and what their um, resources are. And once again, what are those starter projects, you know, scrambled eggs? I don't know. Yeah. So what are you guys doing personally for self-care? Is there anything you guys care to share about what you're doing for yourself? This is obviously a very stressful, frightening time with a lot of unknowns. Um, And are there strategies you guys are using for self-care that you'd like to share or care to share? I'm forcing myself to take a break from the news. Mm. It's a big one. You know, the news is on my cell phone. I don't always Mm. know where that is. And uh, I can log on. I can put on cable or, you know, whatever other media. Um, And so uh, I reached a point this weekend where I said, okay, I need, you know, the 8 o'clock news. I don't need this every day, all day. Right. Um, and I would stress <laughs> if, if you can take a few hours, there'll be another update. You can get caught up. Uh, but we don't need to be on a 24 hour news cycle. It's really stressful. So just taking some space from the information and getting it kind of, uh, curating, I guess is the word, um, when and how you get it. I would, um, yeah, I would maybe liken it to binge eating, mm-hmm. go on a diet, mm-hmm. <laughs> Or maybe just eat when you're hungry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Diane, what about you? Enjoying the fact that I'm home with the dog. And I don't know if you can hear it behind me, but the little toenails are clicking around the floor. Mm -hmm. He's following me. Uh, Just doing cooking for the family. And once again, trying to stop the news and uh, calling people, just Mm -hmm. reaching out to other people and um, my family and friends to just say, wow, how'd this all happen? And I think it's just connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I did bring my tools home with me. So at some point I'm just going to go build something and that's my happy space. 
I don't sure. know. I, I, when you have really good ways for self-care, let me know because I feel like I'm pretty lacking. Yeah, I think we're all going to have to share those. I think um, the cooking is definitely one. And I think just like being together and spending time together is really, um, you know, oddly, I had been reading Little Women leading up to all of this. And I was reading it last night and I was just looking at their kind of evening routine. You know, they, they all sew, they all sit and read, and they all sing to each other. Somebody plays, Beth plays the piano and they all sing together right before they go to sleep every night. And obviously this is pre-internet, pre-TV, pre-radio, and there's not a lot going on in the evening. But I just thought that was really great how that's a, like, well, I think establishing some of these routines or like really reestablishing rituals, particularly with children of any age, um, is so great. But I mean, I definitely think the stuff that you guys shared will, will be really helpful for others. Ronnie, do you have some dad? Yeah, one one other thing. Uh, our family, we talked. To, we were, love film. We're filmmaker. You know, filmmaker lovers, and so we've all got cameras. So mm-hmm. part of it is like, uh, you know, we do our own little videos and test them and play. Um, some how tos, especially for the little ones, are fun. And then uh, we're making a list of all the films that we as a family can watch. So mm-hmm. that could be kind of skewed for older kids where you're saying, listen, I want you to actually get through these classics, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, mm-hmm. or, um, or we're going to do some old classic films. We're going to do some new ones. We're, you know, challenged with, uh, what can we do with PG under PG, PG 13. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that gives us kind of like this solid thing that we can check off and we can say we watched as a family. Um, it's sure. not a big thing, but it's kind of, Film can be a canon of literature as well. <laughs> yeah, and it's a form of escape. It's a form of entertainment. Uh, it seems like a really valuable thing. And it's, a, I mean, you know, we're all leaving, leading busy lives that have been slowed down quite a bit. So this is a, maybe a time to catch up on some of those fix-it projects around the house, some of the films that you've been meaning to watch with your kids um, or yourself. Um, I know that I've definitely got a Trello of things to watch with my kids and things to watch with my wife um, during this time. So... Um, well, Rona and Diane, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time for this conversation today and, uh, you know, stay safe out there and, uh, uh, really thank you for sharing all the resources that you shared with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having us on. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Depth and Life podcast. A very special thank you to the educators who have taken time to talk to us during this troubling period. If you are an educator and would like to join an upcoming conversation, send us an email at info at We would love to hear from you.